You're listening to the Creekside Church Sunday morning message. And now, a message from Pastor George. We are in a message series, Creatures of Habit. We're all creatures, we're all created, and we all have habits. And hopefully, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, uh, you know, I, I kind of squash the argument of, no, I don't have habits. We all have habits. We all have routines. We all have patterns that uh, we walk out even every day. And at the beginning of this message, I mentioned a book called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. And again, I'm reading it for a second time. And here, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm late to the game, but I just figured out audiobooks. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> it's a game changer. And you could read a book in like one or two or three times fast uh, than you could with it. Now, I, I've always loved the, the, the feel and the, tut, the tangible aspects of a book and highlighting and making notes. But, man, when I can jump in my car and turn on an audio book and listen to the book, uh, even at two times speed, uh, it, it's amazing. So if, if, you have, if, you, if you don't like to read, uh, listen to it. Listen to Go get it and listen to it. Amazon. Uh, one, one big thought from that book, if you remember, is everybody, every single one of us in this room, we all have similar goals, don't we? Similar goals. We all want good health. Never met anybody that woke up in the morning and said, you know what, I'm going to obliterate my health today. <laughs> we, we want, you know, we want great relationships. No one ever has gotten married to say, I'm, I'm in this for a solid five years. <laughs> we all want to be close to God. We all want to make a difference in this world and the lives around us. We all want to be financially strong, financially healthy. We have similar goals. Everybody has similar goals, but we have different results. The outcomes are different. I mean, no one ever plans to live paycheck to paycheck, stressing over money. And then you end up going, I bought what? Why did I do that? Buyer's remorse, anybody? No one ever plans to become overweight, have poor health, die young, and miss their grandkids. No one ever plans on that. No one ever plans on becoming addicted or, you know, being out of control and then losing their marriage. That's not something some people set out to do or lose the trust of their children. No one ever wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what, I'm perfectly content with a mediocre life. I don't need any passion for anything. If I have drive, if I don't have drive, no biggie. No vision. Wasted life. No one ever says, hey, the more regrets, the better. (laughs) Everybody has similar goals, but why do we have very different results? Why do we have different outcomes? What's so uh, interesting to me is that rarely does anybody end up ruining their lives, you know, one by one bad choice. One bad mistake has never ruined someone's entire life. I think there might be a few bad choices. But usually the vast majority of people don't end up with a life of ruin because of really one bad decision. The vast majority ends up there by one small decision 
at a time. One bad step at a time. One bad habit at a time. One day at a time, we end up ruining our life. We usually summarize a lifetime of bad decisions with one sentence, don't we? I mean, we, we, some, it's something like this. We'll say, well, he battled with weight and he died of a heart attack at 50. One sentence summar, kind of summarizes a lifetime of bad choices. Or we might say she fell into sin, then she cheated on her husband. And they divorced two years later. A summation. Summarized with one sentence with all sorts of steps that led to that bad choice. You know, the employee. They just didn't follow through, so we had to let them go. They summarize a season of bad decisions with one sentence. But it's rarely, rarely just one event that ruins our life. The Bible is filled with one-sentence summaries. They are everywhere. And one one-sentence summary I want to highlight is out of Judges chapter 16, verse 1. And we see one of the more profound summarizations. It, it's basically, it basically summarizes what became a series of bad decisions for a guy named Solomon. Or Samson, sorry. I told you it's been a week. Samson, if there was any guy who was born with tremendous potential given to him by God, it was Samson. Who are we talking about? Samson. But due to one bad decision after another bad decision, bad step after another bad step, he ended up in a life that completely fell apart. And we can summarize We can summarize his life with verse 1 of chapter 16. It says, one day, how many days? One One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza. And what did he do? Spent the night with the prostitute. One sentence that summarizes the beginning of a downward trajectory in Samson's life. A guy who was incredibly gifted by God. If you don't know biblical geography, no worries, I looked it up for you. Google's amazing. Gaza is about 25 miles from Samson's hometown of Gaza. I mean, uh, from Zora. And Gaza was the Philistine headquarters where Samson was public enemy number one. 25 miles from his hometown. For him to go into Gaza was really to put his life at risk. Now, since there wasn't any BART or Uber or anything like that back in the day, which I know for a fact is biblical, (laughs) that there wasn't, perhaps we can assume one option was that Samson could have walked 25 miles into the enemy territory to see a prostitute. Walk. Now, here's my question for us this morning. How many people would be stupid enough to risk so much for so little? I mean, really, who does that? You want to know the answer? Countless people do it every day. Fun fact, how many steps do you think you have to take to walk 25 miles? 
I looked this up too. For an average 5'9 guy like myself, Fifty-six thousand one hundred three steps. Fifty-six thousand steps to walk twenty-five miles. I would submit to you that maybe Samson didn't ruin his life all at once, but at that moment he began to take fifty-six thousand steps in a direction of a life that would spiral downward and out of control. Most of us don't wreck our life all at once. We don't. You know, we, we, we didn't, you know, get bad all at once. We take one bad step, one bad decision, one bad habit, one day at a time. That's why we're talking about these patterns that we have. That's why we're talking about habits. I mean, the first week we talked about really focusing on who we want to become before we do what we do. Who do we want to become? Who do you want to be? What, who has God called you to be? Godly husband? A godly father? Healthier? Financially stronger? Maybe more generous? Who did God call you to be? The second week we talked about, based on who do you want to become, what is one you know, thing that you can add as a habit to your life? One God-honoring discipline that you can begin to do? One good habit that you can add to your daily life well today we're going to add one more layer to the question one question and one point of application based on who you want to become what one habit do we need to stop last week was what 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 is something we need to add and start doing today is what is one we need to stop doing what is one bad habit that we need to break what is the one habit that, that we have that is unhelpful, that is unhealthy, that is ungodly, that we have? What is that one thing that you do over and over again that takes you in a direction that you ultimately don't want to go? Based on who you want to become, what do you need to stop doing? I like what James said when it came to unhealthy habits. He said this in chapter 1, verse 21. So get rid of every filthy habit. Get rid of what? And all wicked conduct. Here's the, here's the problem. We're not going to do this on our own. We can't do it on our own. What we're going to do is we're going to submit to God. Say that with me. And we're going to accept the word that He plants in our hearts which is able to do what? So what is one habit, as James said, filthy habit, bad habit that we need to rid ourselves of to become who God's called us, created us to be or wants us to be? And we're going to talk about uh, doing just that today. How do we break the bad, filthy habits? I want to talk about what is one habit we need to break What's just one? Because here's the deal. We have to define it. You have to know what it is for you. Because if you don't define it, you're not going to defeat it. You have to define it. What is it for you? 
What is it for you? Some would say, well, listen, PG, I have about 25 that I'd like to get rid of. But I'm, all I'm saying is just let's focus on one today. Let's leave here focusing on one because the reality is if we look at all 25, we'll end up doing none of them. Let's just focus on one. Maybe for you, maybe your one is a bad attitude. Maybe you have a bad attitude, critical spirit, uh, complaining heart. I mean, uh, just to bring it a little closer to home, how many of you guys pulled in the parking lot and said, why are we pulling out all the good plants? Or maybe you, you know, wait till we change the carpet. How many opinions are going to fly around? I wish, why'd they do this? Or maybe you have this, the, the spiritual gift of gossip, which is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> it's actually a sin. And, and, but we, we try to make it a spiritual gift just saying, you know what, I'm just letting you know so you can pray for so-and-so. <laughs> a bad attitude. What's the one habit that you need to break? Maybe, with pastoral love, it's an overeating issue. An overeating issue. It's sweets, it's fast food, it's snack foods. It could be that too. Maybe it's a tech addiction. Maybe video games consumes most of your free time. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's binge watching. Maybe for some, it's, it's pornography. Maybe it's your cell phone. Did you know that I think there was a, a study done statistically that uh, uh, people cannot go like 20 seconds without picking up their cell phone if it's within proximity of reach? It, it becomes like our third arm. Maybe it's substance addiction for you. Not just nicotine, not just drugs, but maybe it's sugar. Maybe it's prescription. Here's a side note, and this is a freebie. If more than one person who loves you tells you that you have a problem, you might just have a problem. And, and I suggest that with as much pastoral love and care as you need. Listen, based on who you want to become, what is one thing that you need to stop doing? Now, I realize that this is difficult for all of us, if not most of us. Why is that? Have you ever noticed that a good habit is difficult to start, but a, and a bad habit is difficult to break? I mean, for example, good habits usually start off being more difficult and challenging, but what happens with the good habits? Over time, there, there's a payoff, there's a benefit to it, Right? I mean, let's, from my own personal experience, get up and run. I used to run. I used to run a lot. And sometimes I'd get up in the morning and it was cold outside. I don't know if you know this, but, you know, when it's dark outside and cold outside, it's difficult to get up and do anything. But you do it. You make the decision to do it in spite of it being difficult, in spite of it being cold, and then what happens nine months later? You're losing weight and you're physically healthy. 
usually starts off being more difficult and challenging than the payoffs usually sometime in the future. Maybe you, you make the decision, we are going to church and we're not sleeping in. And then what happens as a result of those choices and that habit? Months later, you're closer to God. Your, your marriage is, is thriving and, and you know, you're at peace. Or maybe you start and make, to make the decision to floss twice a day. And what happens? Cleaner mouth, no cavities, cheaper dentist bills, and you may even get a date because <laughs> you have fresh breath. Now listen, these didn't happen at once. It took some time. Difficult at first, but the reward is in the future. I think filthy bad habits are the opposite. I think there's a perceived immediate benefit, you know, because if we're being honest, we're human sin, it can be fun. If you're not if it's not fun, you're not sinning right. I mean, let's just put that out there. Well, maybe you're not doing it right. But here's the reality. It comes with negative results. I think in Hebrews, it's everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. I mean, you sneak out for a smoke. What's it do? It relieves stress. Decades before you come down with lung cancer. Maybe you're the customer at the, of the year at the local buffet. Years before you're diagnosed with diabetes. I mean, you know what it could be for you. But you see how bad habits can have negative effects. There is a perceived benefit just for a moment, just for a minute, with negative results coming later. So understanding this, how do we break these bad patterns? How do we break these bad patterns? Last week, if a good habit is hard to do, what do we, or if a good habit is difficult to do, what do we do? We talked about making it obvious and making it easy. On the other hand, if a bad habit looks appealing in the short term, what are we going to do? We're going to do just the opposite. We're going to make it difficult to do. Make the bad pattern difficult to do. Good patterns, good habits, make it obvious and easy. Difficult one, or bad, bad habits, make it difficult. Because we only have so much willpower. There's only so much willpower. Our ability to make right decisions, what happens? The more right decisions we make, uh, our, our, it, it, it wanes. Our willpower wanes in making right decisions. Our energy depletes as we use energy. You understand what I'm saying? So does our willpower. I mean, if you, I know you know what I'm talking about. You can fight off certain things just for a minute. There's a certain amount of time. You can fight off certain things for a minute, but then you get tired of what? Fighting off these things. You, you might start by saying, no, seize candy, I'm not going to eat you. <laughs> no. Put it in its place, but then you eat half a box. And then what happens? I'm, I'm going to... I might as well finish the rest. 
What we need to do is make the bad habit difficult to do. Listen to the way Solomon put it about anything tempting, anything evil. Ready? Says this, don't, 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 don't. That's all he really had to say. Don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers, and don't even think about it. Don't even let it come up in your mind, and don't go that way. Turn away. Turn away and keep moving. Don't, 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 and don't. It says don't four different times, just in case you didn't hear me the first time. You need to make it difficult to get around that which could harm you. Remember last week we talked about the habit loop, the, the, the trigger that moves us towards action and that action which gives us that reward. So what are we going to do? We need to remove the trigger. We need to remove the trigger and we need to interrupt the action. Let me talk about triggers for a moment. We can be triggered into a habit or a pattern or an unhelpful action by all sorts of different things. There's just not one thing that triggers us. But studies have shown that there are five major triggers that will generally lead us in the wrong direction. Five, and I'm going to list them for you. What are they? Great question. Here they are. And you may be familiar with some of these. You can be triggered by a place. You can be triggered by time. You can be triggered by a mood. You can be triggered by a moment. And you can be triggered by people. Let me, let me kind of uh, expand on that a little bit. Place and time. There is more likely a place where you do the wrong bad habit and you consistently do that bad habit there. The opposite is true. There will be places where you don't do bad habits. For example, place. No one overeats at the gym. This used to be true until the whole year. No one gets high at church. <laughs> at least in service. But you might, you know, do that at a Super Bowl party. Or if you're with the wrong people. Let's talk about time for a second. You most likely don't look at porn at your Creekside group. Am I right? But you do when it's late at night and you're all by yourself. Place and time triggers. We need to make sure that if there is a time and a place that triggers us, we need to remove that trigger. If you find yourself in that consistent place, or that consistent time where, where you find yourself vulnerable, you, we, what do we, we need to remove that trigger that causes us to make that bad decision. There are also, and you know this to be true, you are more vulnerable when you are in a certain mood. There's this thing called HALT, H-A-L-T, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but experts teach teach us when, when we're triggered by moods to halt. When you see a mood coming, you, you halt because we are vulnerable when we are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. 
we need to halt and we need to remove that trigger and probably get something to eat. There are also moments, moments that trigger us. Certain moments when something happens and and you end up doing the very thing you don't want to do. Something happens that triggers you. For example, after a fight with your husband, what do we do? We call the same three girlfriends and have a man bashing party. Maybe after a softball game, what do we do? We go, not, not the church softball league. But we go out for drinks and you drink too much, just like the last time. Or maybe students... After you, know, after you flunk a test, what do you do? You go and drink to numb the regret. Maybe after you pass a test, you go drink to celebrate. Maybe you skip your test and you go drink to forget about it. I'm here to tell you, you have a drinking problem. See, we need to look for the moment that might trigger us and distance ourselves from the time, place, mood, and the moment. And also, I don't want to forget about this. There, this, this might hurt your feelings, but it's important. People. People. The wrong people can be a trigger that leads us in the wrong direction, just like the right people can be a trigger that leads us into the right direction. In fact, studies are conclusive that the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to imitate them. I used to tell students this all the time. You're going to dress like the people you hang out with. You're going to listen to the same music, you know, of the people you hang out with. You're going to talk like the people you hang out with. Most of us adults do that too. And then I'd always have a student go, no, I'm an individual. You know, I'm, I'm my own person. Yeah, but you're part of a group of a bunch of individuals who are their own person. <laughs> we imitate those we hang around. And, and one study that is fascinating to me is where they tracked over 12,000 people for 32 years. 12,000. I don't know who put the time and effort into this. 12,000 people for 32 years. And they found out some crazy things. And a, you know, a, a, a couple of points that seem super interesting to me are if you have, you know, if, if you have one friend If you have one friend who is significantly overweight, there's a 57% chance that you will become overweight as well. On the flip side, the good news is, is if you have one friend who loses a significant amount of weight, other friends lose lose weight about a third of the time. Friends, listen, the people we surround ourselves with often shape the patterns that we have in our own life. Young people, get this, get a grip on this now. The people we surround ourselves with often shapes our habits. The reality is it doesn't take, you know, some scientific study to prove this. Solomon said it himself many years ago. He said this in Proverbs 13, 20. He said, walk with the wise, and what? Become wise. Associate with fools, and what happens? You get in trouble. We become like the people we surround ourselves with. 
I'm, listen, I am who I am today because of some of my closest friends that I've had throughout my life. They all loved God. They were all involved in the church. Some worked out. Some, and many of them have strong marriages and, and good families. These are who I surround myself with. Think about how much easier it is, easier it is for me to live a God-honoring life surrounded by people like this. On the flip side, how difficult would it be if I had some friends who fall into this category? And I do. Drugs. Addiction. Addicted to porn and video games. Friends that partied. Friends that had no job. Friends that, uh, you know, wasted their life. How difficult would it be for me to live a God-honoring life if I'm surrounded by people like this with consistent input into my life? Because here's the truth. It is almost impossible to live a right life with the wrong friends. And we are friends with all sorts of people. And, and I, I, the Apostle Paul puts it uh, this way very clearly. He said, don't be fooled by those who say such things. For, say it with me, bad company corrupts good character. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. You will become like the people that you are hanging around. Listen, if you're, going, if you're constantly going in the wrong direction and people around you are doing the same, maybe you need to redefine your relationships. You need to redefine your relationships and you need to redefine who you spend a majority of your time with. What do we need to do? We need to look at triggers. We're going to remove the triggers and we're going to interrupt the action. Now, how, th- how might this play out for you? I want to get practical. Maybe for you, some of you are not going to hit the snooze button four times tomorrow. You're going to make it difficult. How are you going to make it difficult? You're going to take your alarm clock and you're going to put it across the room. You're going to take your phone and you're going to put it across the room. So when the alarm goes off, guess what? You're going to have to get up and go turn it off. There's something on Amazon I heard, I, I, I heard about a while ago, a couple years ago. An alarm clock that's on wheels, and when the alarm goes off, it starts running around your, room, your floor. <laughs> Maybe some of you need that. Maybe for some of us, we are going to not overspend on Amazon or at Target. No more $300 bottle of shampoo. Meaning you went for shampoo or deodorant at Target and you end up spending 300 bucks on stuff you really don't need. Make it difficult. On Amazon, how do we do this? You give you know, your friend the password or they, you give your friend the password or have your friend make a password and give it to you before you need to buy something. So you have to go to them to get the password to buy it. Make it difficult. Maybe for some... You're going to stop, you know, consistently looking at inappropriate images on your phone. you got to make it difficult. How do we do this? Have a friend set up what you are allowed to view and what you're not on your digital device. Or it gets locked down. Remove the trigger. Interrupt the action. Now, if I can 
talk to some of you who are deep into a pattern, addiction, or a habit, just for a second, and hear my heart in this. If, if, if maybe it's gambling, maybe it's addiction to drugs, maybe it's a addiction to alcohol, maybe it's a, a sexual thing, if that's you, it is time for rehab. It's time for rehab. It's time to take severe measures. Hear my heart. Why? 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 Because your life is too valuable and your creator, Father God, is too good and loves you too much to allow you to stay right where you are. Why resist temptation tomorrow if you have the power to eliminate it today? Listen, the, the, the habits you have today will shape who you become tomorrow. My question for all of us in this room is, do you like, oh, and online, I'm not forgetting about them, do you like the direction your habits are taking you? If you are in doubt, here's what we could do. We can simply play it forward. Play it forward. Take the negative ones. Take the negative ones for, that, that may not seem like a big deal right now. For some of you if, you, if you play them forward 10, 15 years into the future, here's what you, you, know, you might say. Man, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. Play it forward. Are you in the habit of, of, of being a workaholic? You're barely home because you're always working. Play it forward. I wish I would have spent more time with my kids spouse if I could only have forgiven forgiven him or her if I can only have had a real relationship with my wife before she divorced me maybe it sounds like I wish I had never started I had no idea how much this would ruin my life. Remove the trigger. Interrupt the action. But you may have, and I can hear it, the echoes of your thoughts, but I am so weak. I don't know if I, I have the strength to do it. I've tried. I've tried. I've done everything in my power to break this bad habit but I'm just weak. I'm so weak. Well, I'm here to tell you from my own personal experience because I've, I've had that song playing my head on loop as well. When I am weak, He is strong. When I am weak, Christ within me is my strength. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires within me. Think about Samson. 56,000 steps in the wrong direction. It was also 56,000 opportunities to stop and turn around. And to say, God created me for something more. When I am weak, 
He is strong. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Here's the question we have to ask. Ask ourselves, who do I want to become? And based on who you want to become, then start a healthy discipline and stop an unhealthy pattern or habit. Let me give you encouragement to do just that. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the small beginnings. For the Lord does what? Rejoices to see the work begin. Never underestimate how God can start something special. The small things begin to add up. The small things begin to define our identity. And evidence start to build up to declare, this is who I really am. Every time I work out, I'm an athlete. Every time I pick up the guitar and I practice it, I am a musician. Every Why? Because it's not what I do, it's who I am. Every time I pray with my daughter, I am a godly father. It's not what I do, it's who I am. Every time you serve, every time you give, every time you love, you are an ambassador of Christ. It's not what we do, it's who we are. It's who I am. And who we want to become determines what we do. Stand together this morning. Father, as we conclude our time together in reflection, here's what we do individually and collectively as a church. We surrender our habits and we surrender our choices before you. Recognizing the impact of each decision that we make on the trajectory of our lives, we seek your guidance to break free from the unhelpful patterns in our life. Father, we pray that you give us the strength to resist temptation and you give us the wisdom to identify the triggers that move us into action. And Father, we pray for the courage to interrupt those actions that lead us away from your purpose for our life. And Father, we place our weakness in your hands, trusting that your strength is made perfect in our moments of vulnerability. Father, we pray for a fresh start today. Dear Lord, as we commit to building positive habits that reflect your love and your grace, thank you for rejoicing in our small starts, our small beginnings knowing that each step we take in the right direction is a step towards the purpose that you have prepared for every single one of us. And Father, as we close our time together, I pray as we walk out those doors that our lives be a testament to your transformative power and may we live in a way that brings glory to your holy name. In Jesus' victorious name we pray and the church said,